Today we're going to be talking about the assembling. The assembling. Um, we are going to talk about you know why do we have why do we have Sunday school you know Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night you know revival meetings missions conference what are what are all those services about why do we do those things uh, you know what is what does God expect me to do with those things and and really I'm I'm just going to give you I'm going to try to answer these questions for you the best I can because the truth is I have not found the verse in the Bible yet that says you know everybody needs to go to Sunday school at ten o'clock every Sunday and you know morning service I've never seen anything specifically telling us in the Bible we have to have services on Wednesday night or Sunday night and so uh, you know so why do we even do it and why because the truth is less and less churches are doing those things now and a lot of churches they're going to the they'll have Saturday night services and then a Sunday morning service and um, you know unfortunately I think the reasoning behind that's not always good because they want to get Saturday night and get it in then so their their Sundays don't get messed up which by the way you know Sunday is referred to as the Lord's day and I think we need to remember that it's not the Sabbath day but it's the Lord's day. But Hebrews chapter ten twenty four. We're gonna. I'm gonna show you some things. That I hope will help you to understand uh, why we do these things and why they are important. But this is, of course, this is the main verse everybody uses when it comes to church attendance. And if you were to ask a lot of pastors, hey, you know, why should I go to church every time the doors are open? And then they'll quote you Hebrews ten twenty five. And I think there's more to it than just that. I think we got a lot more Bible than this. To back it up, even though the thou shouts are not there, but I think there's some principles there that we see, and there's some very good reasoning behind it. But Hebrews ten twenty four, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Notice that assembling. We are, as a church, we are a called out assembly. Right here. This is, we call it Liberty Baptist Church, but Liberty Baptist Church, it's the people. If we were to go and have service somewhere else, if we were to go have service in the park, we're still Liberty Baptist Church. If we were to go have service in somebody's house, we're still Liberty Baptist Church. If we were to go together, let's say that we were doing some remodeling around here, and we weren't able to use a building, and we were to go meet in the Catholic Church, we would still be Liberty Baptist Church, okay? Because it's not a building; it's the people, and it's it's an assembly. It's a gathering together of people, and we are to do it. One, there's many benefits for ourselves, but the one thing it says in there: let us provoke one another unto love and good works. A lot of this that we do, we do it for the benefit of other people, not just the preaching, but you as as the church members being there in the assembling. And we're going to get into some of these things. And so we see here in the Bible it's very clear that God doesn't want us forsaking the assembling. Now obviously there are things that are going to come up that are going to keep you out of church. Uh, we're not going to get on Brother Gomer for not being here last week. He was in the hospital. Okay, um, That's usually not going to work out real good. Sometimes there's things, there's emergencies that come up and things that happen. People get sick. We don't want you vomiting. In the church pews, all right, that's not going to help the spirit of the service very much. You know, uh, as you get as you get older and stuff, sometimes it's tough to get out, and uh, 
It's I know, things can be difficult, and I don't I don't even need to give anybody excuses. We are all professionals when it comes to excuses. But hey, there are some things that are legitimate, and unfortunately, there are those who come up with the really goofy excuses that kind of uh, ruin it for everybody. So nobody believes anything that you say. But um, you know, there's some folks you know they'll be they'll miss because they got a hangnail or something. Okay, and then. You know, and then you got the person that's vomiting, and they don't want to look like the person that skips because they have a hangnail, and so they'll come and they'll throw up in church service and get everybody else sick. And you know, that, that's obviously not what the Lord wants. But it is clear that God doesn't want us forsaking it. It's something that we ought to take serious. It ought to be a priority. We ought to do our best to be faithful. But how much? It doesn't say three or four services a week in that past. It doesn't say that. It doesn't necessarily just say one. You know, what if a church doesn't have as many services? Are they not as good of a church? Are they, are you doing something wrong by being in that church? And and really a lot of these questions, uh, I don't know we can completely answer them. But I guess I want you to understand why we do it the way we do it here. And I'm not even going to say that our way is the model way. This is the way they did it in the early church and uh, all churches that don't do it this way are backslidden and liberal. And I'm not going to tell you that. I'm just going to tell you why we do what we do. But first of all, why do we have Sunday school? Now, a lot of times, usually the way people want to explain away everything that we've been doing for a long time that's been working is they'll say, well, that was started back in the you know, 1800s or early 1900s. And usually the time areas they're talking about will be when we were having great awakenings. When there was revivals going on in America. And as the Holy Spirit was moving and as things began to happen, churches added things because it was a sign of revival. And the truth is, when churches start taking away from all these things, and as churches are doing less, it's a sign that we're going in the wrong direction. And I don't know if you've noticed, but as you know, more and more churches are dropping these things, things don't seem to be getting better in our country, do they? Things don't seem to be getting better in churches. Usually when a church drops a ministry, the church gets smaller. And that's why we ought to be always trying to add things and trying to do more. But Sunday school though, uh, this is just one of the stories I read about how it got started. And I got this off the internet. Most people that want to argue against what we do get their sources from the internet and they look at those as being infallible. Okay? Um, I don't believe that. I think there's, but this is one of the stories that I read about how Sunday school got started, but it was originally started as a form of education for children. The Sunday school movement began in Britain in the 1780s. The Industrial Revolution had resulted in many children spending all week long working in factories. Christian philanthropists wanted to free these children from a life of illiteracy, and well into the 19th century, uh, working hours uh, working hours were very long. The first modest legislative restriction came in 1802. This resulted in limiting the number of hours a child could work a day to 12. Can you imagine if that was going on today? Okay, I mean, that's, there's been some tough times on our planet. This limit was not lowered again until 1844. Moreover, Saturday was part of the regular work week. Sunday, therefore, was the only available time for these children to gain some education. This was a sad time in history when, where children had to work as hard as they did with no education. The truth is that all education is the responsibility of the parents, not the government, but the parents, and Christian education was started by churches 
because parents weren't getting the job done. And Sunday school was also started by churches because biblical education, which is also the responsibility of the parents, was not getting done. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you there. But we need to, I tell you, we've got a mindset today that everything is up to the government. Okay? Educate, education, Christian education. I'm not saying you can't use other things, but ultimately it comes down to the parents. I'm going to make sure my kids are getting a good education. Whether they go to public school, private school, home school, if they're not, if they're not learning anything, I'm going to find out why. And I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to call my congressman. I'm going to do something about it. Same thing with biblical education. Sunday school is a wonderful place where your kids can learn a lot about the Bible. Where you can learn a lot about the Bible. But ultimately, it's my responsibility as a parent. I'm going to make sure they're learning what they need to learn. I'm not going to throw it all in the Sunday school teachers who get them an hour a week. All right. But Galatians 3.23 says, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Even back in the Bible days, they had schoolmasters that would teach them in certain areas, usually on specific things. And there was somebody that was there just to kind of help train them in a specific area. And boy, it's wonderful to have Sunday school teachers that can teach kids at all different ages. For example, you know, teenagers probably ought to be learning a little more than what the five and six year olds should be learning. It's nice when you can space those things out and you can kind of focus on different things. Have adult Sunday school class or new convert Sunday school classes. There's so many wonderful things to it. And just because it's something that maybe got started in the 1800s doesn't mean it's wrong. It is a good thing to be able to do that. And back in the, back in those days when these things were happening, it was, it was used just trying to educate kids, trying to teach them how to read. And what better book to teach somebody to read in than the Bible? And unfortunately, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how the world was at a point where we had kids working six days a week, 12 hours a day, where we weren't educating them at all. I don't know how that happened exactly. I can't imagine as a parent allowing my kid to go work somewhere like that 12 hours a day. Is just a child. I can't imagine that. But somewhere along the lines, I think what happened is families kind of dropped the ball. They dropped it on education. That's one of the reasons the government has gotten involved as it has. Churches used to be involved in that area, but churches stepped out of the way, let government take over. Churches, I mean, used to be very involved in a lot of different areas with orphanages, and we let the government kind of take over everything. But uh, Sunday school, though, it's important that we're teaching our kids things about the Bible. And while it's up to the parents, unfortunately, we have to admit not every parent is training their kids like they should in these areas. There's kids maybe that come to Sunday school in many churches whose parents don't go to church. How are these kids going to learn about the Bible? Who's going to teach them? Are they going to learn about it in the public school? Well, absolutely not. They're not going to, they're not going to learn about it from television. I just watched some of the... Uh, Miniseries of the Bible that was just released recently. So it was kind of interesting, but boy, it was just driving me how much of it wasn't biblical. I just I can't stand watching those things. I think I annoy my wife when I'm watching those. I'm like, that's not biblical. That's not the way it happened. You know, the Bible says this, and uh, you know that's not a good place to get your education from. There's no better place 
than in the church. Unfortunately, people, the Bible is leaving our culture more and more, and we need to get it into the lives of people as much as we can. And Sunday school, while it's a wonderful tool, it's a small thing. I mean, an hour a week. You really think that's going to cut it? No. But should we just give it up completely? I don't think so. Educating people in the Bible, and not just kids, adults. You know how many adults there are that never went, they didn't grow up in a Christian home. They didn't grow up in church. And we need as much teaching on this as we can. Sunday school, it's a fun way to learn about the Bible. My kids, they talk sometimes about the things they learn in Sunday school and how they learn them. They'll talk about the illustrations the teacher used, or maybe even some of the, uh, the props, or sometimes they, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways that they learn. It's a lot of fun. It's more beneficial, uh, Sunday school is more beneficial when you can have small groups that have different things in common. You know, like being the same age. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. School, Sunday school, it's meant to help not to take over responsibility. Just because my kids go to Sunday school, I'm not going to say, well, I don't need to teach them anything about the Bible. Not going to do that at all. But boy, it is nice to get some help. Maybe that Sunday school teacher might notice something that I haven't noticed, or they can give them kind of another perspective on things. I mean, there's all kinds of benefits to us, to it. And we've got to be educating people the best we can about the Word of God. And if, I mean, if you can think of a better place than in the house of God, I mean, let me know. But I think this is the best place, and I think it's something that we need to keep around. It's something that I want to be a part of. I enjoy, I enjoy learning. It's like, well, you're the one teaching it. I know, and because I'm teaching it, I have to do a lot of learning too. Because I have to make sure I keep studying, and it helps me. I mean, Sunday school, I think one of the people that benefits the most is the teacher. It keeps them in the Word of God. It keeps them motivated to keep studying the Word of God. And we need as much of this as possible, especially for our younger generation. They need to be taught these things. They need to understand these things. I, when I went, had the detention home ministry, it would blow my mind talking to these teenagers that knew absolutely nothing about the Bible. I'd refer to things like, you remember the story of Adam and Eve? And they would just, who's that? Didn't know who Adam and Eve were. I mean, I would, I would, I mean, the most simple stories I would go, and I would have to just go back and tell those entire stories because they had never heard them. They didn't know the story of David and Goliath. They didn't know anything about that. They didn't know about Samson. They didn't know about Gideon. They didn't know about any of those things. And I remember it just, it shocked me when I went there because I was blessed growing up in a church where I went to Sunday school my whole life. I remember learning those stories as just a little kid. And these people, they, they don't know these stories. And we need to be, we need to be doing as much as we can to get those out. That's why I think Sunday school, it's a wonderful thing. Be teaching people. Is it in the Bible? I don't see it there. But I tell you what, I see the principle of teaching the Bible all over the place. And I definitely don't see anything against it. Also, why do, so what about Sunday evening service? Well, what's that? Isn't going to church on Sunday morning enough? What, what is the purpose of Sunday evening? We'll go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Now, Sunday morning, this time, this is kind of the time, usually, like this message I'm preaching right now, it's kind of a Sunday night one. Alright, we're, we're kind of giving you some of the, we've been giving you kind of the inside scoop on things, but, uh, these are more Sunday night type messages, but we're doing them on Sunday mornings. But Sunday morning, it's usually a time, what, it's more evangelistic. I mean, usually if you're gonna get somebody to come to church, 
a visitor or somebody that's lost, it's going to be on Sunday morning. And so that's when we're usually going to give the plan of salvation. It's more of an evangelistic type thing. It's more of a, of a reaching out. We talked about the invitation a couple or last week and how we're trying, we want to get people making decisions and getting them making the right decisions. So we're reaching out. We're, you're going to be preaching to a group that maybe of, of, you know, mature Christians, baby Christians, lost people. And there's some things you just really can't get into on a Sunday morning, or on a Sunday morning like you can on a Sunday evening. Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Usually, the Sunday nights, that was kind of the Lord's Supper time, the breaking of bread time. The Lord's Supper, I believe it's it's a a fellowship thing. Something that's church members do together. The Bible says, He that eateth or drinketh unworthily eateth or drinketh unto himself damnation. We don't want to have a Lord's Supper service on Sunday morning when you've got people in that maybe are lost that don't know anything about it, don't understand what it's all about. Have them taking just giving communion to everybody and making them feel like they're saved when they're not. That's a very dangerous thing for a church to do. And so we're very... We're very careful about that. And so we'll usually have that on a Sunday night or something when it's mainly the membership around, people that know what it's all about, know what's going on. And that was when they did it back in the Bible days. Many times when they would preach, it was in the mornings, there'd be large crowds gathered around. But when they would have things like the Lord's Supper, they would do that on Sunday night. Also, too, on Sunday nights, a lot of times the preaching would go a little longer. Notice Paul preached until midnight. Alright, now, if you come to church tonight, I promise I'm not going to preach until midnight. But at the same time, I don't really know that I want to promise that because what was happening, the Holy Spirit was moving and the service went on. And you know, on Sunday morning, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's a little harder for to do some of that stuff. People got to roast, you know, wife's got to roast in the oven. They're meeting somebody from lunch afterwards. You know, they got the schedule. I mean, Sunday morning, that's just the time. You kind of come in, service gets done, you go out. That's just kind of the way it works. That's just the way everybody does it. But that fellowship, though, that's kind of what Sunday night's all about. That's the time, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with getting to church early and fellowshipping, just talking with the brethren. Afterwards, you know, it's Sunday evening, 7 o'clock, you don't really have anything else to do. You know, you hang out afterwards a little, just talk, fellowship, get to know each other better. Sunday night, it's more of a time. It's more of a time of fellowship. It's a time too when it's, like I said, it's maybe the more, hopefully, the more spiritual people maybe, and you can follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit better. If we need to go a little longer, if I go, if I go two hours on a Sunday morning and we've got a visitor. And somebody's ever been here. I'm never going back to that church again, because they they don't they're thinking that's going to happen every week. But you know, for people that have been around for a while, they understand. Hey, this is something unusual. Hey, the Lord's doing a work here. We've got to keep this going. I've been in services before that have gone really long, gone late. I was in a service one time. It was a big youth conference, and the Holy Spirit started moving, and it was an evening service. And I remember, boy, people just kept going to the altar and praying and getting things right. People were getting saved. And they didn't, the service, all the program and everything they had planned was all done. But the Holy Spirit kept moving. And they're like, we can't shut this down. 
We're just going to keep this going. And it just things kept going. People kept praying. Nobody wanted to leave. Finally, the pastor got up there and he said, "Listen, folks. He said we're not going to we're not going to try to put a stop to this." And he said, "We're not going to try to continue it either." He said, "The service is over when the last person leaves." And it, and then he said that. So it kind of gave folks the chance to leave if they wanted to leave. Nobody left. And I don't remember. I mean, it, it went late. I remember we eventually left there. What and uh, I don't know when the last person left. But boy, it was exciting. God was doing something. God was doing a work then, and that's what was going on. I think what was going on that night. Paul he's preaching until midnight, and it says, and there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. I heard a preacher say one time that name Eutychus. He's like, Eutychus too if I preach till midnight. But anyway, it says, and as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. I want to be careful falling asleep in church. <laughs> no, but well, I don't think the Bible's condemning him. Paul's been preaching a long time and it's getting late. I've been there before. I haven't fallen asleep in church since I was a kid, but I've had a few blackout moments where all of a sudden I'm kind of like, wait, what happened? What do you what do you just say? I've been there before. And it says, and Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him, said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked long while, even till break of day, so he departed, and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. You know what? That's usually when the Lord does miracles. That's when the I mean that's when the great things happen. It just happens on Sunday nights. It's just the way it works. The most exciting services I've ever been at are on Sunday night. And it, I mean, it's just, it's an amazing thing when you see God do that work. I've been in some great morning services, but I'm telling you, I think the best kept secret in the world is Sunday night services. It's just, it's a great time when you have God's people there. There's a little, there's probably more unity during that time. And the Holy Spirit's able to move and do great things. So it's, 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 uh, it's more said it's a little more informal, so we're not constrained by the schedules. And it's when we can serve the meat of the word of God. Matthew chapter fifteen, verse twenty two. Matthew chapter fifteen. I'll read a few verses to you. Matthew fifteen, verse twenty two says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, what I'm about to say here, remember, I'm giving you inside stuff tonight, alright? This is Sunday night preaching here. Please don't, but listen, listen to what this says. But he answered her not a word. This woman, she is not a Jewish woman. She is an outsider. Okay, she, I believe it was from Syrophoenician woman, she's often called. But he answered her not a word. She comes and talks to Jesus, and Jesus isn't, he's not even answering her. He's not even acknowledging her. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus said, I'm here for Israel. I'm here for the Jewish people. And then she then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Whoa. Jesus was a racist. 
Jesus was prejudiced. Listen to what He just said to this woman. And this is another message here, but the truth is, us, we're nothing but a bunch of Gentile dogs. But you know what? We call out to Christ for help. He will listen to us. Even though we do not deserve it one bit. But we are so high and mighty these days. We Let me tell you, we are nothing. We are nothing. And it says, And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. When Jesus saw the faith of this woman, this woman understood just who she was, that she she didn't deserve the help of Christ. But yet, Jesus, she called out for Christ. She begged for His mercy. And He gave it to her. And you know, the truth is that Sunday night, that's the kind of time where you really give the meat. That's where you really give the good stuff. Because not everybody can take it. Matthew chapter five or Matthew chapter seven, verse six says, "Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast thee your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you." There are some things in the Word of God that some folks just aren't ready to hear. Some things that lost folks they're not ready to hear. Somebody who's not saved, somebody who's on their way to hell, they're not ready to hear about tithing. They're not ready for that. If we were to preach that to them, you know what they're going to do? They're going to turn again and they're going to rend us. They're going to attack the church. Man, do you know what that preacher preached about? I mean, this preacher thinks y'all do this. This preacher thinks y'all do that. Hey, this preacher doesn't think anything. This preacher just tries to teach what the Bible says. And there's some stuff in there that it is. It's the meat. It's not easy to take right away. If you've been living your whole life in sin, and the preacher gets up there and he's talking about you know staying away from certain things and being holy. It's not real exciting. It's something that a lot of people aren't ready for. But after you get saved and as you begin to grow, boy, you love that stuff. It's just like babies. Whenever they're born, all they all they want is milk. That's all they can handle. They can, you can't give them table food. They're just a baby. But boy, as that baby grows and you start introducing them to some of those things, you know what they do? They usually make some crazy faces at first, don't they? They make you seen those faces that the babies make? Like, whoa, what is that? I've seen that in people too, and I've been preaching certain things. They get this face, whoa, what is he talking about? Whoa, what is that? Hey, just keep just keep trying it. You'll get used to it, and you know what? You're gonna love it. And you're never gonna want to go back to that baby food again. You start introducing the table food, and after they eat that table food, you try to give them that baby food, they don't want it. They don't want to have anything to do with that. That's a sign that they're growing up. My wife Friday, she made steak. Man, I love steak. I mean, it was cooked on the grill, and that's man, that's what life is all about. You know, you you want you like to tell these babies, hey, you need to eat some of this stuff. You know where this is leading? It's leading to steak. And man, it's going to blow your mind when you get to that. And it's the same thing in the Word of God. The milk, hey, that's that's just the beginning. There's some things in the Word of God. Listen, you're not ready for it yet. If you took, if you had it right now, it would choke you. Um, you, know, if you. You would choke a baby to death if you tried to feed it steak. We don't, I remember when I was a little kid, I found a bird's nest. And it was, oh man, look at, look at those little birds. And they're laying there with their mouths wide open, just wanting something to eat. And we had a mulberry tree. I thought, I'm going to feed it a berry. I went and I put that mulberry in its mouth, and it got stuck. 
and it couldn't close its mouth. And I felt really bad and I didn't want to touch it because I knew you weren't supposed to touch birds. And I thought, oh no. <laughs> and I remember I ran away hoping the mama bird would come and get that berry out of its mouth. And I, I didn't tell my parents about it. I knew they'd be mad at me. And I was, after I did, I was like, that was dumb. It wasn't ready to eat a mulberry. I don't know what happened. I didn't go back and check that. I hope that bird didn't choke to death. I hope it got. I hope it got it out of its mouth. But yeah, you know, I was just. I was a dumb little kid. I didn't know any better. And we got to be. And there's some things. If you, we get into it on a Sunday morning, folks aren't going to be ready for it. And it's not that it's bad. It's just they're not ready. And Sunday night, that's when. That's when the steak comes out. That's the, that's the good stuff. And that's what I think was going on that night. Paul wouldn't have done that to a bunch of lost people. But hey, these were these were the church members. These are the ones they they could handle it. They could take it. And even though somebody fell asleep, and hey, that's that might happen too on a Sunday night. Sometimes not everybody gets a whole lot out of it. But Eutychus, he was maybe he was there for other people. Maybe he'd been maybe he'd had a long week. We don't know what was going on, but he was there. And you know what? Nobody has ever got killed. From long preaching and stayed dead. <laughs> so Eutychus, he might he died, but he came back. And one, I can't even imagine seeing something like that. All, all the great stories on Sunday nights. But also, it, it is it's a great time to get to know your church family and find out about each other's needs. Galatians six two: Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. How are we going to bear each other's burdens if we don't know what they are? How are we going to find out unless we get to know people? That time of fellowship, what a wonderful time it is. Then also the Wednesday evening service. Well, what's Wednesday all about? I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Well, one thing, reason I think Wednesday service is good. And notice on that first verse we read, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, but it says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Say, so, hey, it's, you see that End of times coming. You're going to probably need to do this more. It's going to be more important as time goes on. So I don't think there's anything wrong with adding anything. Listen, I'm not planning on doing seven days a week church. I have people all the time. Hey, you invite to church? Oh, I go to church every day. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Nobody has church every day, but I, people tell me that all the time. I go to church every day. I don't know if that just means I go every time you go to church, but. I've been told that many times. But Wednesday evening service, well, one reason I think it's good is it's right smack in the middle of the week. And you know, if we're honest, we need our spiritual batteries recharged more than once a week. I don't know about you, but I need the Word of God more than once a week. Now listen, I hope you read your Bible every day. But you know, unfortunately, some people, the only Bible they get is in church. And if that's the only Bible you're getting, I recommend you not miss anything because you need more than one day a week in the Bible. I know I do. But it's in the middle of the week. It also, Wednesday is usually focused a little more on prayer. It's time of prayer. A lot of churches call it you know, Wednesday night prayer meeting. We need to take this prayer things serious. Well, we can pray anywhere. Yeah, I know we can pray anywhere. But sometimes it's encouraging to get around God's people and hear somebody else praying for you. And to pray with each other about things. That's really when we can find out about the needs and the burdens of others. We do it on Sunday nights too, but we'll share prayer requests and find out, hey, you know, what's going on? What are you struggling with? What, do you, what is it you need help with? Who do you know that needs prayer? We can get together and we can have prayer. Matthew chapter 21, 13, uh, and 
said unto them, It is written, Jesus talking here, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. You know, Jesus, He goes there into the temple and He sees all the... It's like a marketplace in there. I mean, they're selling things in there and Jesus, He just goes in there and He gets mad and He runs the people out with a whip. He's turning the tables over with His hand. Jesus is doing this. Okay, He's not that... Sissy feminine guy you see on all the Jesus movies, okay? He was a tough guy. And he'd get mad when he saw wickedness going on. And you know, most church, many churches today, that's kind of what they are. I mean, we call them the coffee shop churches. You know, it's like you go to these churches and it's almost like a mall. There's this one mega church. I remember watching a news program about it. And the place had pretty much had a mall in the church. People come there, go shopping and everything. And, uh, you know, it was. I'm not even going to go get into those things. But boy, just some of the stuff that goes on there was goofy. And I was just thinking, that's kind of how I picture that church like when Jesus went in there and they're all selling things and it's turned into a den of thieves. It's a place, it become a business. Okay, as a church, that's not what we're about. We're not about getting money, we're not about uh, being a business. We're about serving the Lord. We're about trying to teach people the Word of God. And boy, any church that's got more people showing up at their coffee shop and than they do prayer meeting, it's got something wrong with it. Church is about it ought to be about prayer. It's a time Wednesdays. It's a time for Bible study. Second Timothy chapter two fifteen. Usually on Wednesdays, kind of what uh, what that's focused on, and, and you know. It doesn't have to be this way, but that's on Sunday nights I try to preach things that are, I guess, more practical things that can help people grow as Christians. Wednesdays is where we're just trying to learn about this book. Hey, God gave us this book and there's quite a bit in it. We need to understand this the best we can. We'll pick different books of the Bible and different subjects and just study them to try to make sure we understand what it's all about because it will help us be better Christians. Right now, we're doing a study through the book of Daniel. Daniel's got some real good practical stuff that can help you in your daily life. But boy, there's just some there's some confusing stuff in there. There's some, uh, there's some really neat stuff in there. Stuff that God put it there. I think He wants us to know about it. We're going to study it. We're going to try to figure it out. Sunday nights right now, we're doing a series about service. Using Jesus Christ as the example. This is stuff that can help everybody so much that will help us as a church, will help you as an individual. That Jesus said, if you learn these things, happy are ye. It will make you happy. We use these times for these different things. And Bible study... Is the time. Second Timothy two fifteen. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Studying it takes work. It's it's studying. It's something that takes. We need help with it. The Ethiopian eunuch, when he was reading the book of Isaiah, he's reading it. He's doing his best, but he didn't get it. He said, "How can I? Except some man teach me." And Philip came and he began to preach unto him Jesus. He helped him understand it. He taught him. That man, he got saved. And that's kind of what Wednesdays are about. And then, what about the special meetings? We haven't had the revival meetings yet. We're going to be having the Tuesday night meetings in October. Someday, one of these days, we'll probably have a revival meeting where maybe we go Sunday through Saturday. Most people now, Sunday through Wednesday. That's as much as you're going to get people to go. 
for revival meetings. So if you're lucky, you get Sunday through Wednesday. They used to do them for a week. I talked to uh, I know one evangelist. He just recently got done doing a revival meeting that was scheduled for a week, but I believe it went four or five weeks. Four or five weeks. That used to be very common in our day and age. It's not anymore. But those special meetings, sometimes we need to take the time to focus on certain areas or special needs in the church. Acts chapter 12, in verse 1, I'll try to go through this quick. It says, Now about the time that Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Herod decided, you know, I'm going to go after the church. He had killed James, one of the disciples. He killed him. And you know what? It made the Jews happy. He's like, I'm going to go kill more of those disciples. He went and took Peter and threw Peter in prison. And so you know what they did? They had the church, they got together. They had an assembling. And it said in verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing from the church unto God for him. They got together and they just had, they had a prayer meeting. A long one. I don't know how long this prayer meeting went. But you know what? Peter was in prison after James had been killed. Peter could have been killed. But boy, that church, they got together and they started praying. Hey, we got to need you. We're under persecution right now. They've got one of our own. He's in prison. And you know what? They prayed and an angel came and got Peter out of that prison. And Peter, you know where Peter went after that? He went to their service they were having. A service they were having in a home. They were there praying for him. And Peter showed up. How would you like to have been at that service? Can you imagine? I mean, boy, they're there. They're probably going to die. They're praying. And we're here at the church. We're praying. Hey, I want this person, they need help. They're in prison. And they show up at the church service. Hey, I've seen it before where people, they've been in prison by sin. They've been in trouble and people have been praying for them. Just praying that God would do a work in their life. Praying that God would save them. And they show up at church. And boy, you see those people's faces and they are so excited. And you see that person go forward and give their heart to Christ. And they're just thrilled to death and they're crying. And then you just think, what if they wouldn't have been here? What if they'd have missed? I had somebody invite me to a church one time for a special meeting they were having. And I didn't tell them if I was going to come. I didn't tell them if I wasn't going to come. And I remember I showed up. And he wasn't there. <laughs> and he felt really bad. But you know, I, just, I wanted to surprise him. And I did. Surprise him. He was just real surprised when he found out I was there. <laughs> and he wasn't. It was kind of embarrassing. But boy, that's why those special meetings, you know, we can have family revivals. We can focus on the family. We have vacation Bible schools to focus on evangelizing kids or other evangelistic meetings where we have somebody come in and just focus on salvation the whole week. It's all about trying to get lost people into the church. We have, we have missions conferences. They had one of those in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where they went, they took a collection for the saints that were over in another area for Paul to go and who was starting churches in other places. Um, personal Revivals. Just, hey, we need, as a church, we just getting kind of dead around here. We're not really doing much. We've lost our excitement. And maybe we just, you know what, we need to have a week of meetings. Just, we can get ourselves fired back up again. Get ourselves motivated to do something for God. These things are all important and they're all something really that as a church. It's kind of what we decide to do. And we try to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit the way we happen to be doing it right now. Is with Sunday school at ten, Sunday morning at eleven, Sunday night six, Wednesday seven. Not saying it has to be that way. I, I didn't show anybody a thou shalt in the Bible about this, but there is. I wanted you to know, I guess why, why we're doing it.
And I believe it's important. I believe that it works. I've seen it work. And my request, I'm not trying, I don't want to, I'm not, I wouldn't tell anybody what to do. But I, like it says in the Bible, not forsaking. Don't forsake it. Don't take it lightly. Take it serious. And you do it, maybe not so much for yourself, but for other people to provoke unto love and good works. You know, there's people that I don't, there might be somebody in here right now that is only here because of you. Maybe they like you. And they, hey, I know I got a friend at that church. Well, if you're not here, why are they going to be here? Well, they ought to come just for Christ. Well, you know what? We need to get them here for a while before they're going to learn that. They're not going to figure that out right away. That's why that faithfulness is so important. So let's all stand together. Now with their heads bowed and eyes closed.